been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your host, J.D. Harris and friends are getting the discussion together. So it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of the man cave, J.D. Harris and friends. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's been a long time. Been a couple weeks. Been on the road. Uh, about a week or two ago, I was at the Senior Bowl in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, last weekend, I was in uh, Houston, and Robert was actually in Vegas trying out for CFL. So we're part of the gang is back. Maurice was in Houston. So we have some treats for you today. Uh, today, I have Robert back on. And what's up, Robert? What's going on? And uh, not to mention with Robert, I have a man that was, I don't know if he was wise enough or what, but he allowed me to play college ball for him at Lake Forest College, uh, my former head coach and now good friend, Randy, Coach Randy Moore. What's going on, Coach Moore? So much, J.D. How are you? Robert's good to talk to you. You too, Coach. Now, Coach, real fast, just tell everybody about yourself and only say good things about me, okay? You know, I paid you that hush money, so we got to make sure we keep everything <laughs> tight. Yeah, you know, J.D., you've paid me to lie about you for a lot of years now, so, you know, I'm getting used to that kind of thing. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a 34-year coaching vet. I am uh, been at the college ranks for the last 31 years, and now I've currently taken a job back at a high school in the high school ranks in Northeast Ohio. And, you know, I, I've had a lot of fun coaching. It's been a successful career. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I, I've coached some really good players, and then I coached J.D. You know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, J.D. <laughs> I've coached some really good players. I've had a lot of fun and worked with some really great coaches. Awesome. And so, Coach Moore, I, 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 if you guys don't know, this man is one heck of a recruiter. I mean, I've watched... I've used some of his lines, um, and not lines because he's genuine with it, and I've used it with recruiting. And one of the things I can say about being a player for him, he always had an open-door policy. And, you know, those of you that know me know I can have a strong personality. So we made sure that we got, like, when I came in, we would sit down and have talk like men and, you know, discuss a lot of things and, that's why we're friends today, and I really appreciate uh, him doing that and allowing that because I had come from a different background with the coaches I had, not saying they were bad. I was used to being yelled at and, and cussed at. And, you know, I was asked about how my, my favorite girlfriend was and my second favorite girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. I do remember that line. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I got to think. I think that that, uh, recruiting is easy. You know, I think as long as you're you're genuine, uh, you care about the young men, you know, and I think that you see a lot of the the very successful coaches, whether it's Jim Harbaugh or anybody else, they're all great recruiters because they really care about the young men first. You know, they want to develop them. They want to develop them as men. They want to develop them as students. And then they want to develop them, you know, in Coach Harbaugh's case and Coach Ferentz and, the guys in the Big Ten, you know, and, and all over the country, SEC, they want to develop them to be professional football players and to be the best players they can. And if you do all those three things, then you win. And, and you know, and I think 
players appreciate that honesty and that caring aspect of things. And you know, I hope it's been natural. And you know, I I do have some uh, funny lines to connect with recruits, but you know, for the most part, it's just being yourself. Absolutely, and that you were, and you had quite the personalities, at least uh, at Lake Forest when I was there. <laughs> I mean. So for you to keep that whole thing in in order says a lot because me having been a coach, I probably would have killed half of our team just to be quite honest. And uh, some of, some of them are probably listening. So Southside Fee, I'm talking about you. <laughs> Lee, I'm talking about you. Corey, Ty, I'm talking about you guys. <laughs> so anyway, um, getting back to this, uh, and I brought you on. We'll talk a little bit, get you on a little bit about football. Um, but for the fans, I mean, and those that followed through Facebook this week, uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I had one heck of a week. I, For a person that doesn't drink, I am tired drunk right now. I mean, I went from, and those of you who don't know, I went to the Super Bowl the first day or second day I was there. I went to the Fritz Pollard Alliance. Are uh, Robert or Coach? Are you familiar with the Fritz Pollard Alliance? No, I'm not. Never heard of it. All right. So Fritz Pollard. A lot of people say Art Shell was the first African American head coach in the NFL, and that's actually a false uh, false fact. Fritz Pollard was actually one of the, uh, was the first coach in the NFL, and so the Fritz Pollard Alliance is what's responsible, tied into the Dan Rooney rule which is uh, pre- currently being ran by uh, John Wooten and Harry Carson is the executive director uh, in waiting. And what they do is work as basically um, an advocate for diverse coaches and the coaching hiring process. And so that was a, it was established with Paul Tagledu, um, and that's kind of how it all came into uh, fruition but uh, it was based off of Fritz Pollard, and, you know, he actually even, if you go, he's from Chicagoland, uh, worked at Lane Tech. He actually attended Brown University, and he was the first black player at Brown, and then he went on. Uh, they had some teams back then, like uh, the Chicago Blackhawks and things like that, that were actually football teams, and he coached at uh, Lincoln University and so on and so on, and so uh, he was a big uh, part of professional football and coaching. So uh, at, at the uh, dinner I attended, you had people, they did a celebration, uh, the same celebration that they did before the Super Bowl with uh, like the, the Hall of Famers that attended uh, HBUs. So you had like Richard Dent, you had Michael Strahan, Doug Williams, uh, and I was very fortunate. In fact, at my table was Troy Vincent and Paul Tagliabue and things like that. So that's how, that's the very first thing I started off with. <laughs> um, and then the next thing, I went to see the project that Robert actually auditioned for and I was in with the Verizon Gridiron commercial or game. So that was interesting. The Mayor's Ball, Lee Steinberg. Are you both familiar with Lee Steinberg? Definitely. The name rings a bell, but I'm not too familiar with it. Coach Moore might know a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you are are rubbing elbows with some pretty important people, J.D. I'm impressed. 
Well, I told him I knew you. I mean, so that's what happened. But Lee Steinberg, of those, for those of you who don't know, he was the super agent uh, before Drew Rosenhaus, and he had probably like eight of the first 12 first rounders uh, going to like Warren Moon and so on and so on. He was what Jerry Maguire was based off of. And then uh, the last thing I attended besides the Super Bowl itself was the NFL Honors uh, celebration where they go over the Walter Payton Award winners and the MVPs and things like that. So I was, you know, in fact, this is no lie, Coach Moore. I don't know if I ever told you this, but Stephen Jones claims he knows you, by the way. So you need to hook that up, brother. (laughs) Who does? Stephen Jones. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that, uh, this was going back in the 90s when I was at Lake Forest. He was like, Lake Forest, I know your coach. I was like, you know Coach Moore? Yeah, I know him. So, hey, Coach Moore, you need to call in that solid for us and, you know, hook a brother up. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I might have to do that. I'm going to so, have to dig back yeah. in that memory bank and try to try to remember our connection with him, I guess. There you go. So, Coach Moore, I have to ask you this. Uh, talk, leaving off on the NFL honors, did did you feel like, you know, would you have said Matt uh, Matt Ryan would have been your MVP for the season? Yeah, I definitely think so. I, you know, it's it was it was really difficult between Tom Brady. He throws two interceptions all year, you know, but Matt Ryan took a team that was unex. They weren't supposed to be there. You know, and he did a great job. I think he only threw, what, four or six interceptions all year long. And, you know, he, and he got them to the Super Bowl, and they weren't even supposed to win their conference. And, I mean, I, I was very impressed with his leadership and the things that he did through the course of the year. So, you know, I definitely would have voted for him if that means anything or not. I don't now, know. Now, what, what about you, Robert? What's your thoughts on, like, who would you have picked as the MVP for the season? Well, I'm going to kind of piggyback off Coach Moore. I think Matt Ryan is fully deserving of it because, you know, he put in the he put in the body of work, you know, for all 16 games of the season. I think if Tom Brady wasn't suspended those first games, it might have turned out to be different. But, uh, you know, like he was saying, you know, the Falcons weren't a favorite to reach the Super Bowl, and he kind of dragged that team um, all the way, you know, to the end. And uh, I think, you know, he's nothing but deserving of the MVP award. See, now I'm going to go against the grain with all of you, even though this person and their team didn't make the playoffs, and not being biased. But I look at the body of work that David Johnson did and what, what he had, or even Aaron Rodgers, even though it started off slow, but for a man to not really have a, have a legitimate running back, to have a depleted secondary and a porous defense, and go on a nine-game win uh, tirade and just tear up the league. I was I was overly impressed with him, and this is coming from a guy that's not fond of the Packers. You know, I watched Aaron Rodgers and do some incredible things that last part of the season. It, it was just so much fun to watch. And you know, I you mentioned Tom Brady, you mentioned Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. And you could pick, you could put you. Dak Prescott, uh, Dak Prescott. Yep. Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, this year there were so many choices. I think it wasn't as cut and dry as it has been in the last few years. There were just so many outstanding performances. Now, I will say I was happy. I felt like Dak deserved Rookie of the Year over Ezekiel. 
and the reason why I say that, and I guess it could the same argument could favor both of them. But I felt like Dak, what he did, and minimum risk uh, mistakes. But I felt Ezekiel had a line, and the line just overshone and took over everything. So it was like when you're not getting hit until five yards downfield. I think it was actually three point seven yards before ever, anyone ever touched him. That was the average. I mean, heck, you fall forward, you're going to average five yards a carry. So, um, but real fast, we're going to go to break and we'll talk a little bit more football. Um, so we'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're inside the man cave we're ready to talk with you call us at 1-888-346-9144 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to jd harris at high-intensitysports.com now let's get back to the show so we're back uh talk about the super bowl um i have my opinion about the super bowl but coach moore I know you have a lot on your schedule, so I want to get you on. Tell me your thoughts of the Super Bowl. I'll tell you what, it was, it, this has been, 2016 has been quite a year. If you take a look back, you go to the World Series. Now, I'm a Cubs fan, but you could take both teams away and take them out of it. Whoever two the teams were, they go to the seventh game. You know, they, a comeback victory, down three to one. You go, to the NBA and the Cavs and Golden State. You could have put any two teams in there to come back from 3-1. to one. Then you go to this Super Bowl. They've never had an overtime game. Come back from 28 points. To, I mean, what? It's crazy. It's ridiculous. It was just so much fun to watch. And, you know, I really didn't have a clear favorite that I wanted to see win. I just wanted a good game. And I can't imagine getting anything better than what we got. It was just amazing. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Robert, what's your take on a Super Bowl game? Yeah, man, like you were saying, this year has been a crazy year in sports, so, I mean, you couldn't expect anything less from a Super Bowl. Um, 
you know, I think uh, I think the Falcons just got a little too excited, a little too early, um, and uh, I think the experience from the Patriots kind of took over. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was really surprised about how the Patriots came out. Not so much that Tom Brady was cold. I thought their philosophy would have been run early and, you know, that first drive, but they started off passing, and I was, like, really surprised with that. And then with his level of accuracy being off, I'm like, okay. Um, but I never, even when it went started going lopsided in the first half, I was like, with Belichick, with Brady, as long as they put some type of boy, points on the board, I felt like in the second half they were fine. And I have to thank the annoying Falcon fans that were behind me at the Super Bowl that talked the entire time and all of a sudden got muted in about the fourth quarter. Uh, it was, I, was pro- I was happy about that. But here's the other thing where I found very interesting. The entire game, until the end, the Patriots never led the game. Think about that. The Patriots never led the game in regular, uh, in regular play until overtime. Not even that. They, they didn't win the game until the game was over, or they weren't it's leading until right. until they scored then. So they yeah. the entire game played. They never were in the lead. I just you know I you thought know, that was which state coach that was amazing. You, you know, I, I, and I was talking to a coach about this yesterday, and it was his team. He was coaching a team, and they were down. I, I went to the game. It was our bye week, and I went to this game, and I was watching a team, and they were completely dominated in the first half. They went to halftime, and they said they saw the other team going to halftime, and the other team jumping up and down, and they're happy because they're winning. And he said they, they got into the locker room, and their guys were – not panicking. They were upset that they were down that far. And he said as soon as he saw that they were that far down, but his team was upset, and the other team that was giddy that they were winning, he said at that point we knew we had the game. We knew that we could come back and win that football game. And I, and I, would, I would have been given anything to be in that locker room and listen to Bill Belichick and talk to his team and say, we know we're going to win. Think about how they're feeling in there right now. They're giddy, they're excited, and they've never been there. We've been there. We can do exactly. this. Let's go out and get it done. And that's what they did. I mean, I, it, it's just ironic that I had that same conversation yesterday with another coach. And, and so my feelings with it going in, I was like, one of the things, and you know this coach being a coach, I don't judge a coach by what he does in the first quarter. I want to see what he does in the second half. The great coaches, the good coaches, you know, they can do what they do. But the second, co- the great coaches are able to make in-game adjustments and turn around a completely different half. And I felt like that's what was done. With, I mean, well, obviously, that's what was done with the Patriots. And I think that that says a lot. And, you know, that's what great coaches can do. They can go ahead and say, you know what? Whether they're up or down, they can change the atmosphere and the chemistry of their team. Now, I do have to tell you guys this, and I thought, well, first of all, Tom Brady was just beyond great. He, I mean, that second half, 
I've never seen a second half of football played like that from the quarterback position. And, and what I mean by that, you know, when he was attacking that weak side zone, they got to a point where they started to try to adjust to it, but his ball placement was so unbelievable. I, I mean, it was just perfect. It was unbelievable. So the day after the Super Bowl, I'm sitting waiting for my Uber to leave the hotel, and this gentleman comes by me, and I uh, I was on Undisputed with Fox Sports. So they had us choose a, cho- a choice of shirts, whether it be Matt Ryan or Tom Brady Undisputed. So I'm wearing the Tom Brady Undisputed shirt. All of a sudden, this man starts talking to me, and he says, you know, I made a big, a big mistake. If you ever hear me say anything about Tom Brady bad, Remind me of this game. Do you know who that individual was, Coach Moore? Who is that? Tim Brown. <laughs> wow. And really? Tim Brown wearing his yellow yellow jacket. I said, Tim, I promise you. Because, you know, he made the narrative that, or he made the statement that had it not been for the tuck rule, well, he asked a question. I shouldn't say he made the statement. He said, if the tuck rule wouldn't have happened, what do you think Tom Brady's legacy would have been? And, I mean, he got chewed out about that all over the networks. He's a hater and all this. <laughs> but I thought it was an interesting question because, you know, if that doesn't happen, they don't go to the Super Bowl that year, would he still have been a starter the next year being a quarterback that lost a playoff game in a cold weather, a, a, a home team losing to – a warm weather team in a playoffs that, you know, that would have, that would have put some front office people and or coaches at bay or at least, you know, thinking what, what do we have to do now? So I found that to be interesting. So I finished up the conversation like Tim, just send me an autograph, Tim Brown Jersey. And I promise you, I will not put you, I will remind you if you talk about this man again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, it was go ahead. It was so much fun. I mean, you when you when you're coaching and you take a look and you talk about the process. And I, I think the announcers did a pretty good job of this. Or it was the journalist the next day? You know, Tom Brady's on the sideline. Bill Belichick's on the sideline. You watched and you saw the confidence, and you didn't see anybody panic. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was twenty-eight to three. And they didn't look at the long term. They said, okay, what do we got to do now? Okay, we got to go down and score. And they did it. And then, you know, what's the next step? And then the defense went out and did it. It it was just, it was a great coaching perspective from keeping in the the moment and not worrying about what's going to happen next. It's what you got to do right now. And I think that's where the the journalists or the, the announcers or wherever I got this from, I think the Falcons lost sight of that. You mm-hmm. know, you get a holding penalty. You get a, a, a sack. You get things. They weren't in the moment. If they would have realized and been in the moment and said, okay, I can't take that sack right now. i got to throw it away. Tom Brady would have done that. Matt Ryan wasn't quite prepared to do that or ready to do that at that point, and they weren't right there in the moment. And I think that showed the different levels between the two teams more than anything. You know, the talent levels, you couldn't, those were two equally talented football teams. 
Maybe. Uh, and, you know, in my perspective, yeah. they were. But it was being in that moment that the, the New England beat, beat them. They beat them because they were constantly in the moment and taking care of that moment and moving to the next one. The, the Falcons didn't do a good job of that, according to the journalists. And, and as I'm looking and evaluating a film, obviously I'm not the caliber of coaches that the Falcons are and things like that. But it's hard to do that process without having been in that experience before. Now I think they'll yep. be much more prepared when they get back into that and they'll be more in the moment. And I think there's some question marks to be had for the coaches, too. You know, why did you get away from running the ball? I mean, some of your most explosive plays during the game have been to your running back. And you kind of vacated that. And at a time where you, the best way to stop Tom Brady is to not allow Tom Brady on the field. So establishing a run game uh, or reestablishing it and or, you know, even dumping off to the backs very similar and not taking seven steps or five steps, but, you know, maybe reverting to your three-step game if you're going to pass or off of your play action I, or moving your pocket. I, I thought that that part of it, especially with Kyle Shanahan's background with zone and the bootlegs off of it or, the, you know, semi-rolls and things like that, I think that would have taken more time off of the game and made things not as dangerous. You know, I think that they, the, the, that the coaches were just as responsible in that game as the players. And speaking of responsibility, yeah. oh, go ahead. I'll let you guys pick that thing apart. I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm not even going to go into that. You know, I, I'll let you guys pick that apart. I, I just think that, man, the mental side of that game, the mental side of that game, I don't think it, you know, to me, really didn't have anything to do with the play calls. Didn't really have to do anything about the physicality. It didn't have anything to do with that. It just was being in the moment, in the mental aspect of the game, that really, I think, determined New England wins. I don't think it had anything to do with anything else, coaches, play calls, anything else. I just thought it was being in that moment and being locked in. Uh, that's me. You guys you guys picked that other stuff apart, the coaching yeah. stuff. Maurice is on, uh, just so you guys know. And Maurice in a second. Uh, but I, I felt like that even defensively with the Falcons, they begin to wear wear out a little bit. Like, I felt like the, the linebackers, you know, the adjustment with them having to cover a lot more, I think that that, basically, they were fatigued. Uh, Maurice, you're on. What's your thoughts? Hey, what's up, J.D.? I agree with you 100%. Um, you're basically hitting on what I believe was the major difference in the game. Um, it's almost like Atlanta was roped a dope for three and a half quarters. And they were just gassed at the end of that game. I mean, the time the time of possession was the main significant. I think the most significant thing uh, with this with the outcome of this game. And if you, it was really a mirror, almost a mirror image of what we saw happen in the national championship game, Alabama and Clemson, where you know Clemson just you know the amount it wasn't necessarily the time of possession in that game but it was just the amount of plays that were ran during that game and the front four and they just wore out you know first half they applied a lot of pressure 
They hit Tom Brady in the mouth plenty of times. They made they made him feel them. But in the second half, he was barely touched. So that was the major difference, I think. Uh, they were just gas at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, Robert, and the other thing, I mean, you look at the first half, uh, even going to the third quarter, I even I felt like this. I felt like for Atlanta, I did, you know, even if they lost, I was like Grady, uh, the defensive tackle, Grady Jarrett, that dude had a game. He had a game, but it was like at the end, they just needed a couple more guys to make a game, and Again, I just felt like guys were gassed, or, and, and they became they became a little thin in the defensive backfield. I mean, the linebacker crew uh, when the one linebacker went down, and so I think that worked as a uh, advantage for New England. But real fast, because I know Coach Moore has to go. Uh, you have Bob Hansen on here asking Coach. Real, you have a minute to say it. What was your most memorable moment at Lake Forest College? Uh, <laughs> my most memorable was the first win yeah. we had against Beloit College. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, we just had a great time and, and getting underneath that uh, scoreboard with all you guys that had worked that hard and made that happen and believed and bought into what we were doing. You know, that, that very first win, and having suffered so much before it, it, it just remembering that and, and, and the cast of characters. I mean, I'm talking to J.D. Harris right now, and now I got Bobby Hanson, and I won't tell you what I defended Bobby Hanson doing when he was in college. And, 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 you know, hey, Bobby's a trip. And, you know, just the cast of characters in that and that first win was so much fun. Yep, and I had that picture hanging right behind me in my office, and you've been here to see it, Coach. But, hey, Coach, thank you for joining, and we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk some more football, everybody. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. 
or send an email to JD Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So we're back and Coach Moore, and I could call him Randy now. Randy. <laughs> Randy's gone, and Maurice had to go ahead and, and get into his ice or his skating um, stuff like that. So we got Bob and I, and just in case you guys didn't know and you hear it on Facebook Live, you probably heard this, but did you know Bob spelled backwards is Bob? Did you know that, Bob, <laughs> Robert? Yeah, I didn't know until now, man. There you that's, go. That's what I do, man. I got some magic. I'm just working the thing for you. So real <laughs> fast, uh, now you put this topic on. Uh, just so you guys know, Robert does some of the writing for the show as well. Um, and I have to say this, in defense of one of my guys, and I defend my guys, the person I felt the worst for was I was happy for and the worst for was my guy, Daryl. My guy, Daryl, is one of the equipment managers for the Patriots. And Daryl is probably one of the most upstanding young men that I know with full of integrity. I mean, he's the kind of guy you want your daughter to date, uh, even though I would want my daughter to be and <laughs> I want her to be a nun. So anyway, but <laughs> Daryl, and you can see he looked uh, on the video when Tom discovers his jersey was stolen and Bob spelled backwards, decides to say uh, that I took it. I don't appreciate you, Robert, for your joke. <laughs> hey, coach, but, I know you like to collect your jerseys, man. In fact, right here, look, look, look. This is too funny because I was going to get it framed uh, for you Facebook livers. I'm rocking the T, or uh, not rocking. But I got the Tom Brady autographed jersey. Not the game jersey. It is blue. It is home. So I want y'all trying to get me arrested, trying to say I'm cashing in for 500 Gs. Um, <laughs> and think about that. They're valuing that jersey at 500 Gs, Robert. Yeah, I was I was hearing that it was the most valuable piece of you know sports memorabilia out. I don't know if I'm wrong or not, but uh, that's what I've been hearing. Well, just in general, his jersey is one of – it's harder to get than an autographed Michael Jordan jersey. Did you know that? Wow. No, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, I found that out. Um, and I was I was blown. I was like, well, I have one. <laughs> and so, you know, feeling a little bit braggadocious. Um, but, you know, it was funny. Before going to the game, I was like, man, I'm contemplating. Do I go to the game where I just get rid of the ticket? And I knew going into this, I was like, this Super Bowl is not going to be played up the way they probably would have liked it to have been. They probably would have preferred Dallas to have played or Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers is a sexier look for fans than Matt Ryan, you know, um, and then have Brady versus Rodgers. That would have been probably the ultimate, you know, Super Bowl for them. But I don't think that would have been the ultimate game. And uh, so – I knew that going into this, I felt like, you know, Pittsburgh and Atlanta would have been a good game or, uh, you know, the Super Bowl that happened with New England and Atlanta. I felt like it would be the game that we saw. And I am so glad that I did not get rid of my ticket and sat in the stands and watched that game because for that, I will say this, 
I probably won't attend another Super Bowl game unless I'm working in it. Um, but it was quite the game. No, oh, definitely. Definitely. So who, who are you going for? I mean, and I know you was probably there. You probably stole the jersey because I ain't heard from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Steelers fan. Some of you may know this, but um, so I didn't really have a favorite going into the game. You know, I was just looking for a good football game. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was leaning towards the Falcons. And then, you know, I'm seeing this blowout starting to happen. And I'm like, you know what? I want to see something great happen. You know, I want to be a witness to, you know, history, some greatness. And then, you know, Patriots start mounting this comeback. And I'm like, man, I hope they come back. Oh, this has got to be good. And, uh, you know, I was rooting for them to pull it out. And they did. You know, so I was just happy to watch a good football game. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the game was the icing on the cake for the week for me. Um, some other thoughts about this now. You know, it, it became official, obviously, with Kyle Shanahan going to San Fran with a six-year contract, which, I mean, I wish Cats got six-year contracts, some of the better coaches. Imagine, you know, um, getting that type of time to build, and that's what a lot of people don't want. Everybody wants this microwave society. We want you to win, win now. And, I mean, because of people like a Jim Harbaugh that have shown to be able to turn the team around right away. But, you know, with them bringing in John Lynch, who's never been a general manager, I just find that to be interesting. I mean, what's your thoughts of what's going on there with San Fran? I know my thoughts are, you know, they're giving them the key to be success. Obviously, it seems to me that Kyle Shanahan has a final say and the power, you know, in terms of between the general manager and the head coach. So that's very interesting seeing he's never been a scout or a head coach. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the John Lynch thing, that's kind of questionable. You know, he has, you know, zero front office experience, you know. But as far as the, you know, Kyle Shanahan situation goes, you know, I like the move. Um, you know, when he was with the Texans, you know, they had a, couple years as a top five offense Andre Johnson Matt Schaub they were getting off um you know when he was with the Redskins when uh you know RG3 was fully healthy you know he had to deal with the Rex Grossman Donovan McNabb situation but you know he uh RG3 you know had that rookie of the year season before uh you know obviously towards ACL I'm gonna interrupt you when you say the RG3 Donovan McNabb situation Explain that in from your perspective. Well, you know, um, you know, when McNabb and Rex Grossman were in, I, you know, I don't like remember it clearly. You know, I'm still you know pretty young, but from what right. I understand, they were throwing a lot of interceptions. There's a lot of turnovers, and you know, McNabb was at the tail end of his career. Grossman, we already know what you're getting out of him. Um, you know, I think he was getting a a bad you know a bad hand with those two guys, and I think he was finally able to show his stuff when RG3 was healthy his uh, rookie season. You just threw shots at me. You just you just kind of pointed out how old I am when I see you. And the next time <laughs> we I'm wearing your tail out. <laughs> no, but I felt like that whole situation um, that they should have I felt like that was the early stages of it. And I didn't think Kyle Sh- Shanahan, I don't think it was so much Donovan, 
as much as it was Kyle and, uh, and those guys at that time, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. I mean, I don't feel like his skill set diminished that much going there. I felt like, you know, the what they were doing and asking him to do uh, is what did 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 him in. Because if you notice with Matt Ryan, they weren't lining him up to run quarterback powers and stuff like that, like they did RG three, um, which kind of from there. Even though he had an outstanding rookie year. But he also was damaged goods after that. And I don't feel like necessarily, I, I just felt like he's matured, but I still don't know. I think it's going to be a couple years before you see a change there in San Fran. I mean, it can only get better. I mean, anything could be better than what they had last year, which leads, oh, yeah. to, which leads to the question. You're San Fran. You're, what, number two in a draft. Do you draft a rookie since you have six years, or do you go? Do you take try to get a Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, make a move like that, or do you go and get a Jay Cutler and then get a guy maybe further back in the draft that you develop? Hey, or Tony Romo. Tony Romo's always there too. I think Um, I think people give Tony Romo more credit than what is due at this point in stage of his career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he's only going to give you maybe one or two years. That's like putting a, you know, a patch on a flat tire. Um, you know who I like? Can he last you know a year? Like? What was that? Could he even last a whole year? Yeah, that's, that's actually, that's a big question with him. You know, with a porous line, you know, uh, their receiving core is not what it used to be. You have, Carlos Hyde, and who's taking a lot of shots now. Yeah, I think, you know, um, like you were saying earlier, they might have to, you know, just draft somebody and have to develop them. You know, a uh, guy like Deshaun Watson, he's the one that sticks out to me the most. Um, that guy has a lot of grit, a lot of heart. Um, they need, they just need a young guy, and they just need to start building up. I mean, he has six years, so why not? Yeah, I mean... Me personally, I definitely would take a bet. Uh, maybe because Cutler's ran in the system, he knows the terminology, stuff like that. And I'm not a Cutler fan, but Cutler has his most success in that system. And I think that, you know, with that transition, but does Cutler have a personality type that's willing to bring along and mentor another guy to be that bridge quarterback? And I, that to me, is the big question. But then that gives them, because San Fran needs more than just a quarterback. They need a lot of things. And so, you know, do you address the, do you get a quarterback, a young quarterback? You get Deshaun Watson, who is he going to throw to? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you might, yeah, you might break that, break that car down real fast. Exactly. So then you're setting up a young guy for failure. And that's something I do have a problem with. You have to have the pieces around a young quarterback and, you know, be able to let him sit or whatnot. But speaking of sitting, we're going to sit for a little break and we'll be back. The opening kick 
got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So, you have Shanahan going to the 49ers. Then, and I'll be honest with you. I don't see Atlanta going back, possibly even to the playoffs next year. And I know some people are going to be like, why are you crazy? Well, first of all, you lose your offensive coordinator. You lose your quarterback coach. You get Sark into Atlanta, Sarkeesian. Who says that he's going to be good at the pro level? It's different when you're coaching college guys versus coaching pro guys. And history has shown very few teams that have lost the Super Bowl have even made it back to the playoffs. Let's talk to Carolina Panthers, <laughs> you know, in recent history, things like that. What do you think Atlanta is capable of making it back? Mm. That's the question. You know, physically, yes, they're capable. Mentally, that's the that's the question. Um you know, you get Steve Sarkeesian, hasn't coached in the NFL in, what, 15 years almost for one season. You know, it's different, you know, coaching college-age guys to, you know, grown men with families. It's big adjustment. And, you know, yeah, also losing the Super Bowl, you know, that's such a tough, you know, it's like you'd rather not even make the playoffs at all than losing the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a tough uh, tough offseason, you know, um, hey. for the Falcons. We'll see. And hey, here's the other thing. They're, the other teams in their division or their conference, they're going to be going, you know, like Carolina is going to load up. Uh, what's them call it? You're going to have New Orleans that they know that this window with Drew Brees is pretty much about to shut. So, you know, is you know, balls out with them. 
I don't think it's a given that Atlanta goes back and is their division winner. And I think that with that, all these other unknowns, so you lose not only your office coordinator, your quarterback coach, who's going to call plays, you know, things like that. I just think that, you know, this is kind of like Boyce Ben said, the end of the road <laughs> uh, for Atlanta, even though their defense is good. And I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying I don't see it likely to happen. But then here's the other question that is I pose. How many other guys would get the chances that uh, Sark has gotten to ever be able to coach again? And I say that, and I broached that, and here's an uncomfortable conversation. How many minority coaches would ever get a second chance like that? It's, I mean, unfortunately, it's the truth, man. You know, <laughs> and Steve Sarkeesian, and he had his alcohol issue, you know, and he's gotten two, you know, ever since then, he's gotten a couple of dream jobs that, you know, he's got Washington. Well, he's got Washington, USC, you know, then he has alcohol issue. And then he got offensive coordinator at Alabama. And then, boom, you get a high-powered offense in Atlanta. And they're like, we want you as our OC. You know, it's like, it is, wow. it's it's a bit unfair. Definitely. And then my, my, my thing is, too, what about Bama? What's going on? I mean, why does Sark jump ship at a, Alabama to go to the NFL? You know, what was that deal? I mean, was it the relationship with Dan Quinn? Uh, was it the, the pressure of being at Alabama and trying to go after a national championship again? And, or was it the relationship with Nick Saban? Well, I heard, I heard that, uh, I think Nick and coach Sark were butting heads. You know, I think his offensive play calling and his style was sort of rubbing with, um, rubbing the wrong way with Nick Saban and plus Nick Saban's a tough coach to coach under. He expects perfection 24 seven. So, you know, I think they were just button heads a little bit and he saw this Atlanta opportunity come up and he was like, screw it. I'm jumping ship. He didn't say, he didn't say jumping. <laughs> he was like, I'm true, flying true, yeah. out. Look, 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 I'm gone. I'm ghost. So, and the question you brought up, who's the likely candidate for Bama? So, I mean, you got guys. So here's the thing. Bama, you know, the past couple hires they've had have been Pac-12 guys. Um, so you look at Mark Helfrich from Oregon, Chip Kelly. Um, those are a couple big names that, you know, I've heard circulating around the Internet that they're interested in. And then you got, you know, their co-offensive coordinator, Mike Loxley and Billy Napier. He's their receivers coach. So they got, you know, they got some options. I would be interested. I mean, it would be interesting if Chip Kelly took that. And for several reasons why. Because Chip Kelly, it would be a one-and-done thing, more than likely. You know, and do you bring Chip Kelly in if you're Nick Saban to say, this is the person that I may have to compete against, so let me get as much intel for, from him? You know, because Saban is friends with Belichick. So sometimes when they're interviewing for you for a job, they're not really interviewing you for a job. They're interviewing you to see your process. What do you do? How are you successful? And what are your philosophies? And how can we use that against you? Um, 
So that that's very intriguing which direction they'll go with that. But real fast, you know, tell everybody what you did this past weekend, what's going on in the last couple minutes of this show, Robert. Yeah, so this past weekend, uh, Saskatchewan Roughriders, it's a Canadian football league team, they had a tryout, open tryout in Las Vegas this past weekend. And, you know, uh, been working with Coach Harris here, um, been training pretty hard for it. You know, and I said, why not? And uh, went there, did what, I had, did what I had to do. And uh, their coach wants me for this thing called a playing day. So we basically battled it out for the last 10 spots of minicamp. So, you know, I did what I had to do and made it on to the next step. So just keep your fingers crossed, everyone. That's what's up. That's uh, I'm proud to see uh, Robert's been a hard worker. And um, it's very interesting even how we came into contact with each other uh, through a a, a young man, I'm saying young man, like I'm that old, much older than him. But his coach in uh, Germany, I actually coached against him as a player when he was in France. So uh, it's good. And uh, I, we're praying and hoping that this uh, happens for Bob slash backwards, <laughs> Bob. Um, but, hey, just because football season is over doesn't mean this is over. And uh, I want to pre- I thank you all for tuning in and sending us stuff through Facebook Live and all that. And um, looking forward to this year and all that is going to go down. You got All-Star Weekend uh, coming up. But keep on supporting us, and we appreciate you. And Bob spelled backwards. Bob, I appreciate you, man. You have a good one. And let's go ahead and get you out here and get you up in Canada so I can get another jersey hung up on my wall. Oh, I see what I see what you're doing here. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. All right. Hey, you all take care. Thank you for tuning in. All right, we're just about out of here. But make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of The Man Cave with J.D. Harris and friends on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon.